0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 25 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. My guest this week is a TV production consultant and also viral slash comedic online content creator. You might have seen some of his work in, I don't know, he's been in a bunch of adverts, but he's also created a hilarious, very dark, humored John Lewis Christmas ad uh, parody featuring a gingerbread man. You should definitely go and check it out. Uh, I thought it was fucking hilarious anyway. Um this week he's joined me on a Friday night for a couple of beers or whiskey in his case, and we've been talking about everything from fucking philosophy to psychology to depression to gentrification. Uh it's been it's been a great ride. Um so please give it up for my guest this week, Stoff Demetrio. The stream has started just waiting for youtube to get its act together we've started recording something's happening
1: oh we're streaming on youtube we are, now yeah
0: literally just as you said that uh it came to life so that's good um <laughs> ladies and gentlemen for whatever unfortunate reason you have landed here with me at half past seven on a friday night uh, joining me for this latest episode of A Thompson and Other Disappointments, um, this week my guest is a TV production consultant and uh, viral/slash comedic content creator. Uh, you might have seen his work if you saw uh, a, in my opinion, hilarious parody of the John Lewis Christmas adverts a couple of years ago. Um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, oh, uh, but it's it involves a gingerbread man, and it's it's quite it's quite dark humour. Uh, but it's a great fucking parody. It's like a little animated short, and uh, my research tells me that that's been seen 300,000 times on your account, right? But then it, I think it got pinched a couple of times, did it? Or
1: Yeah, yeah, and then it was on The Poke and quite a lot on twi-
0: uh, Twitter yeah. as well. From so we'll round it up to 5 million views, right? So uh... <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, it's about that. I've got, quite, I've got a few bits of work off of the back, really? actually. Yeah, a few people... Um... I was uh, one of them was Tom Rosenthal.
0: Who's he? I feel like I You've should got know uh, him. an
1: email from his uh, Friday night dinner. Oh leds. right, yeah, yeah,
0: comedian. Yeah. We should know him from from stand up. Surely, don't think I've ever gig with him. I, I vaguely, in fact, let me let me Google nah. his face, and then I'll tell you if I know who you're talking about. Hold on, Tom Rosenthal. <laughs> No, do you know what? I don't think I do Imagine a younger
1: Jim rosenthal Yeah,
0: don't he doesn't ring any bells like his face. Have I gigged with him? Should I know him? Am I making a complete dick out myself now by saying all this?
1: oh I don't know. I mean, he did the uh the old school student comedy stuff a long time really? ago and uh yeah, so it's probably yeah, it's probably different stages. He probably weren't doing open
0: mics at the same time or whatever. I mean, you don't need to give me a get out of jail free card if I've gigged with him and I don't remember him then I'm <laughs> a bit of an arsehole, but um Yeah, sorry, Tom, in the unlikely event that you're one of my 300 or 500 (laughs) listeners. Um, Yeah, so thanks very much for for joining me tonight, Steph. Um, I thought you'd be an interesting guy to get on the show because um, of, I I suppose, our backgrounds and um, how we came to know each other through the now defunct social network Vine. Um, And we both got a sort of shared love and hate of the London comedy circuit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're also sort of quite... Yeah.
1: Well, I thought we were going to say London, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's
0: well, cool. for me, it's a, a shared sort of like a, a love-hate thing with comedy. I quite like London. I don't know. I get the feeling sometimes that with you, you just hate <sighs> it now. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, I just I just kind of hate it. Um, uh, I don't know. It just seems like a really... Generally, really dull, boring dystopia.
0: Really, because we were
1: like, you know, once you sort of yeah, once you pull back the kind of the layers of like, I mean, I do enjoy that I can be like, oh, fancy a Korean barbecue tonight, and yeah. I can get it. But there's only so much, uh, you know, fast food and bourgeois leisure economy you can you can yeah, put up with.
0: Like I... Is, is it a bit like for you, is it like a sort of person that you were married to 28 years ago and now it's like, yeah, you know, it's familiar and I love it, but also I'm really fucking sick of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a, a person I married yeah. when I was two. And, uh, you yeah, know, and there was obviously a really dodgy dynamic yeah. going on there. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, no, it is. It's sort of like nostalgia for yeah it's sort of just sort of nostalgia for how how things were. I don't know you know I don't really know you know we
0: were going to touch on uh gentrification like a, a bit later on in this, but um
1: yeah we can, we uh,
0: that. Uh, uh, well let let's just fucking dive right into it. I mean, like I sort of look in at, at London as like the people who say that they don't like it that that say that it's too wanky. Uh, invariably are actually the ones that benefit from it kind of being a bit wanky. Like, so for example, you work in TV production and and online content. Has it, has it, have Hmm. you ever been tempted to just like fuck off to Manchester or like Edinburgh or somewhere so that then you've got the same, well not the same media footprint, but you'd have opportunities up there, but you wouldn't have to deal with all the wanky like hipster stuff that you hate.
1: I guess, but, I don't know. I think that would be like conceding defeat right. in a way. And then, realistically, I'm just I'm just doing the kind of the same thing, you know, sort of elsewhere that, that pissed me off. Oh, I see. But no, I was tempted. I mean, I've, you know, I've looked at what, um, you know, what I could get for if I sold up and moved yeah. to Leeds, live like a yeah, fucking man. king. But I don't know. I, even though, sort of, a lot of my sort of friends i grew up with them moving further out and a lot of my family are moving further out it sort of feels like well, i'm yeah.
0: familiar with i suppose it's i, I can no. um, understand Still. oh have i lost you i hope not I, I can understand the um uh the admitting defeat like there, there must be an element of like well why should i leave like it's all these cunts that have come here and like ruined it i just want my city back to like how it was yeah, but, yeah. Might, yeah. Is there a part of you that's like, well, it's obviously not going to go back to how it was in like, I don't know, the eighties or nineties or what it, whatever decade you're like fantasizing about in your head?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That stuff you're probably always a decade behind, right? I mean, like the boomers that fantasize about the war, they you know were mostly not born, <laughs> you know, so it's sort of they they yeah. fantasize about a time just before they knew. But um, I don't know. I, you know, it's not even sort of talking about you know like it being wanky or like superficial or that kind of stuff, which it is. Yeah. Um, that's not really sort of what, what bothers me about it so much is a lot of it doesn't change. You know, a lot of it doesn't change. You know, a lot of it sort of this. Uh, I don't know. I guess because because the thing is, like, I do a lot of um, I work on a lot of TV and advertising stuff. So I've done a bit sort of as an actor, What well, mm. a fucking actor, you know, if you've seen any of the fucking ads I've been in, you wouldn't, I wasn't an actor, I was human scenery, you know what right. I mean? Um, but yes, yeah, so I've done a bit of that. I've done that, uh, and I've been a runner. I mean, I've worked, I've also worked as an editor. And, and you say, you know, you just meet the same kinds of people. Whenever people sort of ask where you're from or this and that, I was like, oh yeah, oh you must be so pleased with what's happened with it and it's like well you know you don't need to be so fucking proud of yourself like <laughs> what there's a fucking yeah there's, there's there's more sourdough now fucking yeah like yeah yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like
0: but then it like and and it's is it not that that sounds sort of quite white savior like complex it's a bit like aren't you you must be so happy with what people no, like exactly. me have done with your neighbors <laughs> Is that fair? Or is, is that how it sort of, like, rubs you up the wrong... Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. That's exactly... Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, it's... Um, it, it's it, I always sort of imagine it as quite like colonialism. Ooh. You know, all right, yeah, that's kind of... That's probably, like, really highly offensive to someone whose, like, family was butchered in the Belgian Congo or whatever. But, like, it's that... I don't know, because you're saying about, you know, the... Like, They've got this like saviour yeah. complex. And you know, not to get too fucking <laughs> I know it or whatever, but a lot of these people are very kind of left wing. I mean I am, but like a lot of these people are very left wing, very mm-hmm. woke. And it's like, but at the same time, you're so proud of yourself to kind of move into a, a working class or and or uh, sort of very diverse area and then just Yeah, in the house.
0: It's like so...
1: <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, it's not the most I, I sometimes thing the think world.
0: of it as the sort of like residential slash property equivalent of when upper middle class kids go to Glastonbury, and it's like you know in the third world people are literally living in tents and and walking through <laughs> yeah, mud I guess. and you know they walk for an hour or a day or two days to get some fresh water and it's kind of like the same in like a, a, a Glastonbury kind of setting but in Glastonbury yeah. it's like a novelty it's like oh my God, like, wouldn't this be crazy if we actually lived like this, Hugo? And, you know, that's actually someone's life somewhere, right? And it's sort of like a (laughs) watered-down, diluted version of that when you're talking about, you know, you've got somebody who who has a a flat bought for them in Walthamstow, for example, and they love the fact that they're living in a... um, or, Or Shoreditch, maybe Shoreditch is a better example. Like, a few years ago, Shoreditch was still a bit rough, right? And then somebody bought their son a nice flat And the sun really liked the fact that it was a bit edgy and a bit dirty and there was graffiti and there was a little bit of crime. And, you know, it's like, well, wouldn't it be amazing if we actually lived here? But they know that they Mm -hmm. fucking don't because they know they're just in that flat for like five years while it gains capital growth. And then they fuck off back to Mayfair or wherever it is that they're from. Yeah. And then
1: that and then that flat is inevitably rented and fucking ridiculous rate. That's much higher than it would have been if they'd have just stayed the fuck at home rather than having their little fucking yeah. safari park experience. You know, it's like, I don't know. I think, I think it's quite when, like when people say that, Oh, it's so edgy and stuff like that. I think that's sort of almost like it's sort of, it's almost the equivalent of like having your nose pressed up against the right. glass at the zoo, just watching the fucking primitive primates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. A, I don't know. There's something. We yeah. all say edgy. There's something you can kind of take, like yeah. Oh, edgy. Oh,
0: there, do you know what I mean? There's a,
1: there's a, there's a, there's a certain context behind saying that something's yeah, edgy. I know of. what you it's mean. Like,
0: like, like there's a there's, a, there's a, I don't know. I, I
1: guess it's yeah, There's, there's like a like an subtext appropriation. to
0: it where it's like I love this place. It's so edgy. And then if you started peeling the onion, yeah, yeah. you'd eventually get down to the. <laughs> The, the, what I suspect is the truth, which is like, isn't it so much fun to be on safari here and see all these mm. plebs out in the wild? Like that's what it feels like. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like those fucking idiots who keep going up Everest. You know, you've seen those. I don't. think There's quite a good film I watched the mm. other day. So that's why in, in my mind, um. Yeah, my girlfriend had us watch this documentary about Everest and the Sherpas and stuff. And it's just basically more middle class white exploitation because like, the Sherpas are fucking going up, risking their life, setting up base camps on the way. And like these base camps yeah. on the way up Everest, they've got like fucking libraries and TV and heaters and fucking yeah. catering. And like the Sherpas are the ones that are like trekking across ice yeah. flows to settle this shit up. And then they go, oh, I had such a great time in Everest. You know, like, take a selfie, yeah. and that's something that stays with them. But the fucking, you know, next season yeah. the sherpas are at it again.
0: Yeah, I know. You're tit- <laughs> like, here's here's the weird thing: is I feel like I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite now because there's a lot of there's a lot of London where it's been gentrified and it's it's been advertised as, oh yeah, this is a real up and coming area, and you know, and I'll go there, and there'll be like little cafes and little like craft ale shit and like mm. independent venues spring up and all the shit that you probably that winds you up about where you're like oh fuck's sake like these motherfuckers like move into every neighborhood and then the rents go yeah. up and all of that stuff i really love it <laughs> like i'm i i remember it, like hanging around in, in like parts I... of hackney and seeing like these little independent bakeries and stuff and i'd be thinking i live in turnpike lane and it's such a shithole like i wish that they'd build crossrail in turnpike lane just so it like improved it yeah you know? yeah i mean i can't
1: speak too much for turnpike lane you know i don't know it sounds like a shithole. um but I don't know, I, I just don't, I think the thing is as well is it doesn't really change that much, really. Yeah. Like, like, that's the thing. I think they are quite superficial little changes. Like, all right, I mean, I can't fault the hipsters for bringing craft beer, you know. Um, but then again, you can go to fucking yeah. Lidl and buy a bunch of, like, actually really good, like, little hipstery right, well, craft beers, you know, in the fucking... This, uh, but this is where lunch, it gets weird, little, though you know and they're cheaper and it's like and that's the thing because
0: and, and this is yeah oh, i was just going to say like this no, is the thing is it's it's the difference between right so you take the craft ale in lidl for example or audi and then you take a craft ale that's served up by a bearded guy with a load of tattoos in a mdf uh strewn um half bar right that That is a different product that you're buying. Like when you go into Lidl and you buy mm. a little craft ale, you're buying a little like like these, right? You're buying a little um, beer to take home and then you just sit on your couch and you drink it. And it tastes nice, but it's not the same experience as going into a gentrified, hipster, little twatty bar. Do you know what I mean? And that's the, it's the difference between the serial killer cafe in Brick Lane and sitting at home and having your breakfast. It's like they're completely different markets and i get why they sort of wind people up because it's like well not everyone can share in in this experience of going into a little bar in brick lane and paying five pound for a bowl of cereal not everyone can like if you if you sprung up a little craft ale bar in parts of tower hamlet probably no one in the actual area would be able to go to them so it's like there's an argument there of like well what community are you serving by springing up these little Things and it, it, it all fits under that kind of hipster gentrification stuff, but I still can't fucking help myself. In that, like, when we were living in, you're oh, right? hang on, have I lost you? You okay? I've still got you there. I was
1: thought the engine's suddenly gone a bit. Oh, shit,
0: I was just in my mid rant there. Um, I think I'm okay on my end, so um. But all I was going to say, I don't know if this will kick in again, but basically uh, I was just saying like, I can't help myself. Like when we were living in Peckham, I would go up to pick up my son from nursery and there was this little place there called the beer shop and I fucking loved it. I used to go in there and have a couple of beers before I picked up my then like two-year-old or three-year-old. I probably stank. I was that dad like rocking up to nursery smelling like beer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, like the, I guess, you know, when you're t- talking about like the experience of having it, you know, that that's a context that's, you know, very important. That is, you know, like, like with anything, it's part of the experience, like, like drinking a, drinking whiskey, mm. you know, like if you, you know, if you know that it's some image, even if it tastes the same, some imitation whiskey that was knocked out in a batch over like two weeks using some new technology, mm. it'd still, it'd lose something because you saw you, you, you want to associate with a, with a story or a context or something behind oh, yeah. it. But that's the thing I, 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 even with that sort of thing, cause I do, you know, I do go to the, like some of those, like I really love beer and burger in um, Kings and Kings and yeah. road. Right. It's great. Great burgers and a great selection of craft beer. And it's, it's, you know, cool and that. But at the same time, my, two of my rich American friends live in a flat literally around the corner yeah. That was uh, you know a, a council estate was bulls- bulldozed to make way for it, and the flat's worth eight hundred grand.
0: Wow! So, yeah.
1: so it's you know it's sort of like so what what is the price for that sort of yeah whoa what is basically you know just sort of a dusting on the on the top of it you know it's like yeah
0: but it's bit. also like how, how far back do you go as well because I remember bitching and moaning to people about how we got priced out of London because we lived in well I lived just off Brick Lane. Uh, and then I moved out to Ealing uh, and then I moved out to Brentford a little bit further and then got together with my missus. And in order to have a family, we had to move all the way out to fucking Guildford and, uh, And then when we got to Guildford, we couldn't afford to buy anywhere in Guildford. So we moved again, like, out to Aldershot. So it's like at every juncture, we've just got nudged further and further out. And I would stand there with a straight face and bitch and moan at people. Like, it's not fair. Like, we shouldn't be priced out of our area. And meantime, spent the whole seven years I was in London loving areas that (laughs) that gentrified and, and pushed out genuinely local Londoners, probably like yourself, Stuff. like where it's like oh this area is so cool now and like you know somebody like you would be like you know they fucking evicted 150 families to build this fucking thing like
1: yeah like and you know that i think because there was a there was one i I think it was highgate estate um that the story of that it was one of the uh, it's very central It was a very central london mm. council estate and uh one of the sort of first with a big sort of redevelopment plan and what really bothered me about it um, and really sort of, you know, pissed off my kind of lefty commie sensibilities right. was that, um, basically, <laughs> well, my, my, I found out my granddad, just a side note, because I've been doing this show yeah. about my granddad, like live show, hopefully for Edinburgh, and a uh, big part of like, well, I sat down and learned about his life and stuff. He was a fucking like right on communist, like he, because he was a peasant farmer yeah. in Cyprus. Like it was a peasant, literally so a he peasant. Like, he grow like the grow food peasants, and eat
0: it. Not that you know. right? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, he had peasant crops as far as the eye could see,
0: and um, yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, this you uh, like
0: acting in bad faith, John, like, you right? know, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yes, yeah, and sort of learning about his life and stuff, and then after he, you know, left Cyprus, he didn't immediately sort of come to England. He like. Spent some years like fucking about, and he was like in East Germany with this sort mm. of commie thing. And yeah, so yeah, it's nuts.
0: I, I, but I wish anyway. that I could, like, both my granddads died before I was born. Uh, like one of them was very old, mm. I think. See, I don't even fucking know anything about them, really. Like, one, I think one of them was quite old. Uh, so th- not totally surprising that he wasn't with us, but my dad's dad, uh, died of a heart attack when he was like 50 or something he's pretty young uh so i don't i've never had an opportunity to to like drink in these sort of you know pensioner stories and like wartime you know all yeah, that stuff yeah. uh all i can go on is what other people tell me which is invariably you'd you'd never know a hard day's work in your life son like that sort of shit like um which is maybe that's true, but like yeah, that's someone yeah. else's grand. Like, I, I would have, I'd love to sit down with my like grandfathers and hear the kind of st- tales it, it sounds like you heard. Is, is there a part of you that's like, Yeah, no, it was great. And it was great because I videoed yeah. it as well. Is there a part of you when you were talking to him where you were like, I am such a piece of shit. Like, here I am moaning about.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Really? 100%. Like, that is, that, that was literally the basis of the show in the end. The show was about how. You know, when I left yeah. uni, you know, fucking, I did a can master's degree. My you ask him, granddad can you ask a him how he
0: managed that dynamic? Because that's really what I'm looking for with this show is to make you come away feeling like I am such a piece <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, literally it was, it was sort of just understanding how like our, our, our grandparents' generation and stuff just got on with stuff because they yeah. had to, like they didn't have the option of fucking about like no. I do. And would like, oh, I think I'm going to be an actor now. And, yeah. uh, you know, and he's sitting there being like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, there was a, a coup. So all my land was taken by the Turks. So I had to, you know, yeah. and it's like, because, yeah, because we've got land in Cyprus and we still can't go to it. Like, we can maybe do a day visit. Yeah. That's it.
0: That's fucking nuts, you know? isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's, it's a like truck real truck. hardship. Yeah. Like the kind of hardship you have no recourse of fighting back. Some, some guy in a fucking soldier uniform just rocks up and goes, yeah, you know this house that was yours? You're like, no, this is my house. I bought it. It's mine. I, I own all mm. the land. all around it. And they're like, yeah, no, this is uh, property of the state now. Fuck off. Like, what would you do? Mm. And if you know, like, if you fight back, they'll just shoot you in the head and, like, do God knows what to your yeah. family. So, yeah, like, real problems. And meanwhile, like, people like you and me are like, this guy said something mean to me on Twitter and I just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah exactly so, <laughs> yeah i mean because like i had a fucking i had a massive horrible bout of depression like um because i've always had like depression mm-hmm. problems like like all fucking straight white oh, men sure. these days you yeah. know yeah and um so like and that was sort of a big part of what prompted it because it was yeah. like look let me i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and get some fucking perspective. Um. I mean, I've got some perspective, but it just showed me more of what a piece of shit I am. Kind of <laughs> shone more of a light on it, if anything. But yeah. <laughs> like, well, I went into this thinking I was it might be a piece of shit, and now I just know like, for sure yeah. exactly
0: what it is about Fight, me. the fire shit. with fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like, um, uh, you know, I, I have quite a... I can't even think of the adjective, really, to, to use here, but... Uh, I have quite a healthy, I think, attitude to depression. Speaking as someone who I think I, th- I was never diagnosed, but I think I suffered with depression reasonably badly in my late 20s and maybe early 30s. Uh, and I've I've listened to a few podcasts on it and stuff. And and I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'll cling to this belief forever, but certainly for the last few years and I think for the foreseeable future until someone that convinces me otherwise. I think my attitude to it is like, I when I felt the most depressed was when I had no real goals and no real feeling like I was actually working towards something. So when people come out and say, Well, you're only depressed because you haven't got something to work on, or you're only depressed because you haven't got something to put your mm-hmm. mind on, like you know, focus and work towards, I actually sort of buy into that quite a lot because since yeah. I, I don't know if it would work for everyone, but since, um, I, see this is going to sound really pretentious and fucking insufferable now but since i got into like stand-up uh that was the first time in my life i felt like i could fucking do this i actually feel like every week as i try this i try mm. this this joke again and i'm going to twist this word here and i'm going to try a slightly different metaphor or you know the process mm. that we go through and i and, and every week it would just sort of, you know, improve a bit and then I'd fuck up and I'd be like, oh, well, I'll go back and try this other, you know. But it, there was a, a, a crescendo of sort of achievement to it where I was like, I can feel myself getting better and more confident at this. And sure. it was like a skill set and a confidence that was growing that I had never really felt before. Um, like I'd had other, other hobbies and shit, but never anything where I'd actually had people coming up to me afterwards and like honest like being honest with me and saying like that was great that was really good like you should do this excited yeah. about it for me like and it completely changed like how I felt about it. I was like I could fucking do anything I could like if I just work hard at this I can actually do this and now I feel like when people get depressed or they, t- yeah. or they speak about depression the first thing that leaps in my head is like well what are you, what are you working on what are you trying to do like is there have you got hobbies are you working are you training yeah like, you know
1: i mean it's definitely a bit of both mm. you know because i guess what you're sort of talking about is one kind of depression where you know it's that kind of listlessness you know because we, we we're like monkeys that have evolved to start dealing with fucking problems as they arise and we haven't really yeah. got any so like you know we're not with so then we t- turn our thoughts inwards and start going oh fuck me i'm a i'm a piece of shit and this <laughs> and that and and again, you know, sort of, you know, sort of going about my sort of show thing too much. But like what you're saying, because when I started writing this show, I started getting really into like reading yeah. philosophy, because like, the i because it's about being an actor, right? So it's called acting in mm. bad faith. But that's that's um, you know, that's sort of a reference to stuff in like philosophy, you know, stuff like Sartre and mm. Camus and that. So that, like, oh, right? I've got to learn about this, and then you know, so you learn about. I like so, Camus sort of put, was this philosopher that pointed out how absurd mm. life is, and everything's meaningless, and this and that, and the sort of the shit that makes people go, "Oh, you know, life is yeah. meaningless." But he starts th- talking about, and this is what my show opens with, you know, with like this sort of, with like s- this picture of Sisyphus, right. right? So, like, so it's like me with Sisyphus's head. It's like this bit weird dream
0: sequence. Right. Makes I'm sense. nodding along, like I know All who Sisyphus right, is. I, d- I have no idea. <laughs> oh Sisyphus
1: right all right it's like a Greek myth right it's this um king thought he was better than the gods right. so they punish him by saying right you've got to push a boulder up a hill forever oh, right and as soon as it gets and like you know and as soon as it gets to the top the boulder rolls back down again so he has to go back down. and that's forever 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 the boulder as he re- as he gets to the summit the boulder right. rolls back down and it's just sort of thing about the pointlessness of it all and how futile your life is and, yeah, and everything yeah. like that. And that's sort of this it's just become like this sort of thing that people pin all their fucking hopeless like teeny angst on, you know, like, oh go, you know, it's so meaningless, like your toil go, takes you this far and then it just comes back down again. Blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. But then camus
0: I, I thought you were gonna say like that uh... you So then what happens if you associate, psychologically, if you associate achievement and working towards something with imminent and infinite failure? Like if every time you push the (laughs) boulder up the hill, you know it's always going to come back down. Or I suppose in a modern like reality-based example, you push the the boulder all the way up the hill and maybe that problem won't come back down, but it will create new boulders. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But that's the thing, and, and, but this is sort of what, like, so rather than... Because I think like a lot of all this stuff that I was reading about philosophy is... It was stuff like... And I wrote this about me having like this basic mental breakdown. It was like my way of working through it, and it just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it really fucking made it worse. Uh, but, like, one thing I came, like, with this yeah. Camus was that he says you've got to imagine Sisyphus as, like, happy, right? He's this absurd right. figure because he's got he's got a goal in life. It's like all right, he might not ever achieve it, but it's like all right, we'll take pleasure in the journey up and the and the and the walk back down and just be like all right, well, you know, fucking sail love, yeah. Um and I and that's sort of what you're what makes me think of when you're saying about um you know, your depression, your idea of depression is about people having something to yeah. do or having like having a goal and like to an extent yeah like definitely because you've got to have something to do but then there's that other kind of depression that's just like chemical fucking like like weather right you know it's like a it's just a phenomenon that happens yeah. it's like like when i've been really seriously depressed and people come up to me after i've done like a good gig or whatever and they go oh yeah no, i really liked your show and i'm thinking you fucking lying <laughs> bastard out oh, there yeah you <laughs> That's yeah, depression.
0: yeah. I, I get that. And, and to be honest, I, I completely discounted that because I've, you know, arrogantly in my bubble, I've never experienced. Uh, I'm sure there's people that would disagree with me on this, but I've never experienced what I would imagine to be a chemical imbalance. Uh, and now it may be that I was born with a chemical imbalance and it's never really, never really resettled. And, and thus it's not really an <laughs> imbalance to me, but um yeah you you, you're right i'm sure there is you know a a chemical and scientific diagnosis to be had for people who who just don't produce enough serotonin or whose childhoods and upbringing were uh, so traumatic that for them praise and all, all the usual things that would result in an endorphin rush um actually have the opposite effect because the people that that raised them when they told them that they did something well it inevitably led to a horrible situation maybe so there's yeah there's there's yeah. weird and wonderful sort of colors and textures to uh to to depression i suppose i'm sort of speaking very selfishly from from my own experience i'm like you know i felt a bit yeah. i felt a bit down and a bit lost then i found something to work on and it turned out all right um
1: yeah but then then that's that's not necessarily to say that like how shit you were feeling when you were down isn't as bad like, if the cause is something different, it might have, you know, it's like, all right, well, that might be caused by a chemical imbalance. That might be caused because everything's shit. But if the result is the same, then you still feel, you know, you still feel rubbish. Yeah, I,
0: I guess so. I, I suppose it's finding the right solution for you, right? Like, I, I found ways and means in the working world and through family to make me i mean a lot of it is i just don't have the free time to sit and and ponder and dwell anymore like back in the day i had all the time in the world to sit there and think like oh shit remember that time when i said that thing to that girl and i was like 18 and she looked dist- like oh god i'm such a piece of shit like i don't have time to fucking like to lay there and ruminate yeah. over the mistakes i made in my teens and 20s anymore i'm too busy like getting the <laughs> juice for my four-year-old cleaning like sticking to washing on doing this doing that like trying to sort out the podcast, yeah. like. Uh, so I, I don't know I I wonder if if a similar course of action would work for people with a chemical deficiency like if you didn't produce enough serotonin and you did get sad a lot if you just stayed busy do you think that would help I don't know I don't know if it would
1: I think it would help some people mm. maybe I mean for me um, like you know, about saying about my, you know, my granddad having to actually struggle and, you know, like his life of actually having to grow the food to eat Mm. and stuff like that. I mean, if I, if I had stuff to preoccupy me to that extent, I wouldn't be as fucking depressed as I am a hundred percent, like guarantee. But then I think there is also the other times where it's like, sometimes I'll, I'll be sitting there and I'll be sitting here, you know, working away on something, you know, like I've got an edit, I've got to do or whatever. Actually, yeah, quite often when I've got an edit, because if I'm editing an ad, I feel really yeah. like shit. <laughs> what, you know, you're making something that's it's made to be ignored. Um, so it doesn't, you don't know, feel like creative or anything like that. And I'm sitting there, I'm still doing it, I'm still working, but I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit and I fucking want to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. And some people, they, it is worse like that. It's like, oh, you know, he got up, he fucking went to work every day, walked his dog, and then one day young hung yeah. himself. Yeah, I mean, it's funny so... isn't it it's
0: like that sometimes i'm brought back to the example of where people fantasize about winning the lottery and they go oh if i won the lottery hmm. i'd be so happy if i had five million in the bank i'd be so happy i'd never have to work again and i'd just be so happy. and i actually think it's for i mean i have no scientific research to back this up but i can imagine knowing what i do know about mock psychology uh that if you did win five mil, that money was in the bank and you had no job to go to, all your friends are still going to their jobs um, and you've got no purpose, no reason to get up in the morning. It's got to be a bit like... I mean, you could fill up your time, right? For a, to, to some extent. You can go on a holiday, you go on this, you go on that, you treat your friends to a night out here and there. So I'm sure you could stay busy for a bit. But A, you don't want to piss away all that money, so you wouldn't keep doing that. And B you would just run out of these sort of salacious big nights out and like eventually you'd be like, let's just buy a house and set. And then you would sit down and you'd be bought. And i I actually think weirdly perversely for some people winning the lottery would be the death of them. I think they'd win it and they'd be like, this is all I've ever mm. wanted. And I'm fucking miserable. Like I could totally see that happening.
1: Yeah. I think cause we're just built different. Some people have to know that they're getting up in the morning and going and doing yeah. a thing and, um you know know that they're and, and the thing is yeah sometimes as a you know as a freelancer i'll have big chunks of time where i don't have any work yeah. in and you know my mates are sort of talking about their oh you know blah 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 happened at work and this and that and then we're going on holiday here and i'm just saying oh, <laughs> you know and then but that's not me hating them because they're doing what they're supposed to do <laughs> i'm just projecting because i'm not working at that yeah. point but that's it well i think maybe i mean you know that's we i mean we definitely need to be occupied but i think like i kind of think that we're it's a big part of it's just to be conditioned that working equals good and that's your value in the world you know like is that more of a societal thing that's
0: yeah to some extent like it's like the reason that i don't know if this is related or not but the reason that a mortgage is priced and stretched out to the to the number of years that it is and why inheritance tax is set to the level that it is is because it will take you 25 or 30 years to pay off your mortgage and by that point you're retired and then when you die you either pay with your care for it right or you sell it and you give it to your kids and then they have to i don't know say you die they have to pay a a huge chunk of it on inheritance tax. and basically it works out that there's a nice little bit for your kids but it's not enough to keep them off the hamster wheel right Mm. and to some extent i think it's it's all set up like that societally to keep people working and so there is this sort of yeah like investment across western society that everyone should always be working you should well you need to go and find a job you need to you know figure out what you want to do with your life you've got to get like what if you do just want to sit smoking Mm. weed and Reading comics. I don't know. I can't imagine that's for me, but like you say, people yeah. are built differently. Maybe some people, they'd fucking love that. Yeah.
1: There's so many ph- philosophical things I, I want to drop, but I don't want to think that's too much of a <laughs> wanker.
0: Yeah, I was going <laughs> to but... say, like, so do you ever get in trouble for, like, you've, you've mentioned that you are left leaning and you're from L- London. You've done mm-hmm. all this research into philosophy. Do you think you. Uh, I'm knocking on the door of metropolitan Islington elitism at all?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, he- well, it's funny you should say. Funny you say that. I mean, because all my family are from like Highbury and Holloway. And- oh, really. I <laughs> say so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. But um, well, it's kind of odd because uh, I don't know because it depends on what what kind of generations. Like reference point, what kind of image of of metropolitan or like sort of? Well, what do you what do you really mean by that? Like, do you mean like you know you can't you know, because these are quite kind of middle classy kind of things? Is that what makes you middle class? Or you know, yeah. because for instance, you know, like my nan, you know, my nan's from from you know work, very working class. You know, she's a fucking big fucking family of fourteen kids had to work at fourteen years mm-hmm. old and stuff. And she was quite tall really? yeah. um oh yeah, quite a lot of my, lot of my family are because she was very much like um she worked hard, and um half of her family were crooks, half of them worked in kind of like law enforcement, and she was like some c i d thing um yeah, yeah, and she worked she worked hard and you know and she was like, oh, f- you know I'll cut them down the road. they've got electric lights <laughs> uh yeah, you know, so. But but that sort of you know that kind of climb out of out of the working class I think that's the thing that's changed like what does working class even mean what? anymore like what's what does metropolitan elite mean more than yeah. sort of
0: the thing that confuses me is like so you and I have had sort of amusing exchanges on this before and you always ribbed me for being middle class um, which I think is always fueled by the way that I speak but that's because <laughs> it's because I'm from <laughs> the fucking home counties motherfucker uh,
1: so. Yeah, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, "You
0: fucking snob." <laughs> but it's like, it's like I mean, I get in trouble sometimes with this on on TikTok because people assume from the way that I speak that I'm some sort of privately educated guy, and that if I talk about the working class, then I I get myself in all kinds of trouble. I get told that I shouldn't. I, I I'm not entitled yeah. to talk about the working class. Um, so so there's that, but then there's also this sort of anomaly of at what point does someone stop being working class? Like I I read a definition the other day where they said it's no longer about whether you work or not. It's actually the way that they define, well, they, the way that this person on Twitter defined it was um, they said the working class, uh, no, the, the middle class shower before work and the working class shower after work. And I think what they were getting at was if you do a sort of, you know, a manual labour job and you're out there sweating all day in a warehouse or driving a forklift or Mm. you're a bricklayer or whatever, you're going to come home and have a shower, right? If you're a recruiter or an estate agent or, you know, whatever it is, if you're sitting in an office and you're showering before work, even though it's not paying, or it might not be paying, like, loads, there's still... It's seen as middle class. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's weird. I mean... (laughs) I mean that that analogy that analogy completely breaks down for me because I sit in my shed in my garden, and then halfway through the day is when I go and shower and shake. And halfway through the day, shower so and middle, change my pants. Class. And that just right. that's <laughs> yeah, that sets you off. That j- changes your fucking life. Just change your pants halfway really? through the day. Yeah, you're golden. Yeah, 100. That's my that's my. I, I mean, if I could give anyone any piece of advice that. Yeah, that's the one. I love the idea that
0: there might be like um, tuning into this for advice on TV production (laughs) or like, like viral content (laughs) and shit. And you're just like, honestly, change your pants. Yeah. yeah. Eleven AM, twelve PM. Like, bank me later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) hundred percent. No, do it and report (laughs) back to me. Um, But no, I think like the thing is you're saying you know, but that's you're saying about you change your pants after work or whatever, because you have, you've got a more manual job and this and that. It's, it's quite funny because like that definition of the working class is, you know, the people who do the, you know, the, the you know, the peasant work, yeah. you know, the grunt work, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, that doesn't really, that forms a, such a tiny part of what you maybe think of the working class or of the overall workforce, right? Yeah. Because, because it's not really that anymore. Because a lot of... I mean, I, I I'm, I think the reason I sort of, like, rib people about being middle class is because I don't know where I stand in it. You know, like, in my parents, are like, no, yeah. you're middle class, you come.
0: I mean, you work in TV. Um, <laughs> you
1: know, you, you, you own you work, a flat. You've got
0: a, <laughs> yeah, you've got a fucking...
1: Yeah, you've got an MA and, and a fucking... Uh, and you ponce around yeah. in arts. Like, yeah. But at but the same time like you know i I still for the most part earn less than my friends who do have traditional working class jobs right yeah. um
0: so this um, is an interesting like distortion um, or contortion um of of our understanding of class and i i i can't remember where i heard it it might have been on an on an ian dunn podcast but he was talking about like britain's obsession with the northern ex-labor voter and like get like na- labor mm. need to get back in touch with the traditional working class, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the the media narrative is that these are you know ex mining families and labor lost them and labor are too sort of Islington Ramona elitey, right? Um, and he was like, mm. why is there this sort of expectation politically that a electrician or a plumber some some of these guys will be like putting in 50 80 100k um Mm. yeah i'm not i'm not exaggerating like sometimes plumbers sparkies that's yeah that's what they make they make good fucking wedge but they will be valued in terms of their uh their vote and why labor lost them above some like Twenty two k a year, or like twenty k a year, university graduate in London, who's living in a house share hmm. with fucking mice walking all over the floor. It's like, who's yeah, the working yeah. class one there? Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. Yeah, because
1: it would be things like I mean, like um, my uncle Terry. Right, um, he's not, you know, he's, he's dead, uh, dead now. But he was one of the richest people I knew. Um, you know, he's from from Peckham. Um, started work at 14 years old as a milkman and was a milkman mm. most of his life, but he was absolutely really? fucking How? loaded. Absolutely loaded. Yeah. Well, so this is, so when my, <laughs> this is quite weird. So uh, my dad used to be a milkman. So my dad's quite middle-class to be fair. Like he works in IT and, you know, and he, but um, he, when I was very little, he was a milkman and he started his round um, mm. around brick lane. And yeah, no, it was like, it was, it was, to be fair, totally different then. And um, yeah, and he, but he started around there, but like, it wasn't like door to door. It was sort of business to business. Um, and like, so it'd be like going to banks and houses of parliament. Okay. They used to deliver to and stuff like that. But it was all, so you'd have like, you'd have like milk and cream and cheese and fucking yogurt and juice and yeah. all this shit as well. Um, but what they do and like, so you, basically you're running a business you're almost self-employed you're kind of a contractor for the dairy and if you just were a bit smart with it you could make a lot of money like one of the guys my dad worked with um what they used to do is like you could buy like your cream from the dairy in and it'd be priced in per gallon and then you could sell it in like either per per pint or per liter and then there's conversion that goes on and then you when you resell it there's a markup between what you paid what yeah. you say you paid to the client <laughs> and then that and that was, yeah and so this guy used to make like about 1200 quid a week just off of cream his cream racket alone would give him an extra 1200 right. okay quid let me a week.
0: let me back up a little bit check i understand this so he you, your uncle's a milkman he does the rounds for the hmm. milk like the dairy place right and then what he's doing is yeah. he's sort of going over to these businesses and they are businesses not residential and he's saying, like... Or is, is he even telling them? Or is he just sort of saying, like, going over to this place over here, buying in a load of cream, and then he sells the cream mm. to them, and they think they're buying it from the dairy? Or he's saying to them, like, you can get your cream cheaper with me?
1: Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, because, like, the reason my uncle then obviously made a lot, lot more money was that he set up his own kind of business. But, you know, you are still going to the dairy. Yeah. You're still... You know, but not a contractor. But then he had like you know his own vans going right. out and doing this and that. But um, but yeah, it was basically that. It was like, yeah, just. And I think to be honest, if someone's if someone's yeah. cockney enough, and they come up to you and they've like he used to talk like he had a roll up, just balance like yeah. So I told side like, get the van, like go around and get a van just talk about it right there. Do you know what I mean? And like I just think people like that. I feel like there's just an instant like power balance yeah. in their favour. It's like no, you're you're so working class that I'll just mm. believe what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but you wouldn't, you you wouldn't assume. I don't know what like is that a sort of embedded snobbery in me? Like I wouldn't assume that somebody that spoke like that was going to fuck me over. I'd be like, no, you're a good guy. <laughs> like you, you're happy for my business. Like it's so weird in like ingrained yeah. in my head. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's like is no. that
1: um yeah and i'm sure people play on yeah. it and stuff you know like it's like when you c- get a call center you know they have the specific stages of when you phone a call center the first ones are usually yeah. Geordies because like they, they've found that it's the most comforting and relatable accent so they go oh you're having trouble with your internet dear <laughs> person? and go oh well you know it's not that bad yeah. it's just you know but if it escalates as the problem escalates this is yeah. this is a real thing um the, the people you deal with become progressively more middle class until you're just like, okay, so I'm Mr. BT and we're going to yeah. sort it of, you know what I mean? So, like, people go... Like, as as people's rage, yeah. <laughs> there's tears to it. And they go, no, you need to speak to a Geordie. You need to speak to a... <laughs> you need to speak I like to a the idea that now.
0: somewhere in your, like, you know, RBS or, like, NatWest Bank customer service thing, there's a chart that says, like, how angry is he? And then they look at the chart <laughs> and like, is he... Geordie, no, all oh, right, okay, like Buckinghamshire. Oh, I better talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I really hope there
0: is. So you but... mentioned, you, you mentioned yeah, that know. some of your family is sort of quite Tory, even though they're sort of quintessentially working class. Um, do they are they sort of on board with a lot of this super anti wokey? Uh, Like GB News kind of stuff, or
1: I I wouldn't have thought so. That's reassuring. That's good because you know I think they're sort of it's it's kind of weird. Like some of them are are quite Tory, but are kind of like in other ways pretty progressive. You know, and I think because I think to be honest, I think so. You've got you you know, know they're
0: quite Tory, as in like they don't want to. Fund like layabouts i guess is the traditional like right okay yeah and then yeah. they're quite progressive in the sense that well they're well
1: they're not necessarily i think like there's a there's a certain thing like when you talk about like if anyone's going to imitate your your average brexiter mm. racist not that all Brexiters are racist but, but you know, most of them but, but like it will always be in a kind of oh no nah, they're coming over it and it's sort yeah. of this affected very working mm. class voice, and I even do it if I'm imitating Brexiter or something I'm like that. Oh, yeah, oh you mate! I, get, I in so much down. trouble
0: on TikTok because whenever <laughs> I do, a, yeah, like a dumb Brexiter, uh, I I always put on a working class <laughs> voice, and uh, yeah, it's not so bad for you. Yeah. But like when you, like I'm me, and when I sort of move into a like working class voice to to caricature that kind of individual, uh. It's like they they see it as me sort of punching down or like trying to insinuate that yeah yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, carry on.
1: I mean, well, I mean that is there that implication is there, and but the thing is, you didn't come up with that trope. No, you know, I don't know even, why I do it? Either and like, maybe like, there and is it, some it,
0: there's some substance to it. Like maybe there is something in my head that's like this this type of person is usually a work like. It, like is that in my head i don't know like i'm willing to explore it and entertain it like well, I mean, and discuss it i just i suppose where i get off the bus is like when people just like invade my comment section they're just like you fucking classist prick and i'm like i i grew up on council of <laughs> chill out like um
1: <laughs> i don't know it is it's a it is a weird it is a weird one but like i, I guess it's always just going to be seen as yeah. like a punching down kind of thing and like but that's yeah, and it's sort of, but I don't. I don't think that's necessarily true because I think, like you know, a lot of like I don't know why there's this sort of this stereotype that that you know people with that kind of accent or people from London. Mm. Maybe that's changing now because maybe London's more associated with different kind of people than it was. But I think like they generally just very quite open, open people. You know, it's yeah. a multicultural area. You know, it's a very multicultural area. And, you know, my family is quite multicultural, you know, you know so you've, you've got to, a... you know, a lot of gays in my family That's good. as well. Yeah. So.
0: Good, good for the gays. Um, I'd, I'd like yeah. to think that you've got to be either ferociously ignorant or or have some sort of real steadfast commitment to racism to to continue to be racist in London, because it's just like you mm-hmm. surround it like you you said a second ago like it's multicultural um you know every other street corner that you walk around there's another language another accent another skin pigment it's it's mm-hmm. to, to live in london and to be racist you must have to be angry fucking 24 7 and i don't i've never really encountered anyone like yeah. that but then I don't know who the fuck am I to sort of say whether an area is racist or not, because I'm sure if places were racist, like it's not going to affect me in, in the nicest, most sensitive way possible. It's not yeah, going to really, yeah. like impacts me every day, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess, I, I guess it's kind of like, you know, how every, every woman says that they get shouted at or commented on in the street. And every man is like, Oh no, but surely not. We're yeah. not fucking seeing it. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was something that took me a long time to Same. kind of really accept. I mean, look, the fact, like, you know, yeah, everyone's saying it to you, like, no, we get this all the time. It's like, all right, we well, can't all be lying Well, there's lying two things, isn't
0: there? Like, the, f- the first thing for me was when I think I was about it was proper late, man. I was probably older than you are now when I I was uh, exposed to this. But like, I remember meeting Lucy somewhere, and it was about our like fifth or sixth date, and I said yeah. like why do you always phone me before like what you're always late and you always phone me before you walk into the bar, like to check that I'm here. Like, so is it like some sort of, hmm. I, I was such a piece of shit. I was like, is it some sort of like ego thing? Like you want to check that I'm some like lap dog. For you? And and she was like, no, like, honestly it is like, you don't understand. As soon as a woman walks in a bar, she is a target. Like men will walk up to her. Men will ask her to buy a drink and, Um, and when she says no they're like oh you're up yourself darling or like you should smile but she's like i just can't be fucking dealing with it and um yeah that was the first time that anyone or certainly that i remember maybe somebody did tell me this stuff before but that was the first time i'd ever had someone say this is what it's like um and it's like now i you know i say that i was in in my mid-30s it's fucking embarrassing isn't it it's like but then nobody nobody educates yeah, yeah. I mean, young men on it. Like, it's not a, a course that you do in school.
1: No, and the thing is, they, I guess mm. they really should. Like, I don't know. I mean, I sort of look back at school and I think I, I still resent all the time spent wasted mm. on complete bullshit, like geography and religious studies and stuff like that. And I think, why wouldn't you ever teaching us to, like, not be pieces of shit in public or how to like fucking get a mortgage or something. Yeah. That's something I'm going Well, use. if they taught
0: you how they, if they taught you about finance I'm... and compound interest and the dangers of credit cards, then nobody would get credit cards and nobody would get themselves into trouble. And you know, that's how the system works. I think they're kind of reliant on people mm. to be a bit ignorant about those things, but with things like, like consent and like respect and, um, like I'm not a big you know sort of dainty male feminist guy in the sense that you know like you and I have been at gigs where we've seen you know the the archetypal male feminist stand-up comedian right but I like I wouldn't <clears> put myself in that bracket but I'm definitely all about equality and it it's I do think there's a place to just sit young like boys down and teach them like i saw a tiktok the other day by this girl she's 18 but she's like head fucking screwed on like switched on and she was talking about like how we should teach young men to handle rejection and i was like that is a fucking gaping hole in like i don't know humanities or you know social studies or whatever it is because nobody does teach you how to do that and and unfortunately whether we like it or not there is this ingrained part in a man's like brain or an adolescent's brain it's like if you are rejected that is humiliating all your friends will laugh at you how are you going to handle that you're going to get angry are you going to you know beat up the guy that that did get the girl or you, do you know what i mean so there's got to be like ways yeah. and means that you can handle that because it's gonna happen like it, it happens to every guy um so or maybe maybe that's what i tell myself it happens well, Oh yeah. Guy, but, yeah it should be taught i think but it it, as far as i know it's not being taught still now yeah i
1: guess i mean i don't know i think it's sort of weird isn't it because it's like why 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 is it this sort of thing where it's like Guys are constantly like, "Oh shit, I need to, I need to fucking have sex right now. I need to," you know. Blah, blah, blah. You keep chasing it. Where girls are fending off dick with a shitty stick, <laughs> you know. Like it's a weird because, like, why is that? Like, girls are no less horny, but we're the ones going, "Ah,
0: oh, fucking." Well, because I don't know, man. Like, I I'm no scientist, but I think it's something to do with like like cycles and the sheer amount of sperm that we oh yeah really right. in a day like we have <laughs> yeah. you know, tens of millions <laughs> if not hundreds of millions of sperm that, that just have to fucking get out and women have you know th- that window in the month where they're most likely to get pregnant and so they get horny and they wear less and and i just think from from a man's point of view when certainly when they're in that sort of young reckless adolescent up to like, you know, 28 ish kind of, which is when the frontal lobe is actually fully developed. So it sort of ties in with it. Um, when they're in that reckless risk taking period, a lot of men would just fuck anything. Whereas women don't have to Hmm. worry about like going out to find something that they would sleep with. Um, it's it's there on the, it's a buffet all the time. Like most women could walk up, like not all women, but a lot of women could walk up to a lot of men and say, "Do you want to fuck?" And the guy would immediately go like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah yes, do. yes." Did I say yes already? I should say yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's it is different. Yeah. Um. And also, there's a sort I guess, of, like, yeah. There's there's a common sense element to it, which I I just think is baked into, like, women's brains, which is, like, you know, if a guy runs around the tribe or the the village and just bangs everything that he sees, he can't take care of all of those babies, but he probably won't even try to take care of all of those babies. He'll just run off to a different village and just carry on fucking. Whereas the woman is sort of she's there with the babe, So for her, it's, there's a vested interest that's biological, that's baked in and she has to just be more choosy. Right. Like, so I think that's, I don't know. Yeah, I that's, guess. that's the way that I look at it. Anyway, that's how I justify that fewer women wanted to have sex with me than I wanted to have sex with.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fair. I just always, I, I guess, um, I guess I've always just sort of come off really aloof and disinterested with girls, which, you know, has just really helped in the in the long run.
0: Well, then, why are you growing your hair to look like one? I mean,
1: <laughs> Do you know what? I because when I was when I was a, like mid-teens and I, mm. had, I had a shaved head, um, I was constantly being like, oh, why aren't girls interested in me? Yeah. Oh, fucking, and and the, um, I remember starting to talk about, oh, I might grow my hair because I'm into guitar now and I want to be in a band. And all the girls at school were like, oh, no, don't do that. You look like a fucking dickhead. And, uh, you yeah. know, and when I actually grew my hair and had, you know, I was one of the, only, I was literally one of two boys in the school that had long hair. Oh, they were really? like, oh.
0: Suddenly, yeah. like,
1: yeah. I guess that, you know, that's what I always think of with um, dating right. apps. Do you know what I mean? Like, because my mate, I was talking to my mate today because, like, having a hard time with dating apps and all that kind of stuff because all the girls in there are kind of like, I want a guy who's six foot two and this and that. And and it's all this sort of shopping list criteria of stuff. And I always think the fucked up thing about that is if you're, if you've already decided what Mm. it is exactly that you want, you're completely denying yourself everything else that you don't
0: know that you want and that you might find out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like if you, but i think everyone knows what they definitely don't want that's fine to know that but but to have a few <laughs> sort of ambiguous things in there like i i think the older you get two things sort of change the first thing is that you become uh more understanding of of what's out there and what you could be happy with and uh and, and what happiness looks like to you broadly uh hmm but also you become kind of more conscious of like what you, what you have to offer. It's like in, when you're like 20, you're just like, I'm the fucking best thing ever. Yeah. Like the only reason I haven't got a girlfriend is because I'm not willing to settle. Yeah. Like, and then when you get older, you're like, actually I'm, yeah, I'm me. And, uh, this is, um, you know, this is what I'm bringing to the table. And (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like, you, you think, well, I'm, you know, I've, I've got this and that and this that I, got going for me and you know i hope that i can find someone that likes those things and i like them and um you know it's sort of like things relax a little bit like you're you're less focused on ego and what people think of you and what people might think of your girlfriend or what her friends might think of you and like all of that shit sort of fades into the distance and actually what you focus on more is like do i fancy this person and uh like what would they be like in, in a family like if we started a family together yeah and are they supportive and that kind of shit
1: but then that's you sort of you know it's becoming at peace with who you are and all that kind of stuff mm. and it's like but that's sort of more my point though isn't it like if you're that you know like someone being you know knowing exactly who they are and what they want it's like you, that's that's a thing in itself but that's not going to be like a thing on a dating app
0: no that's true.
1: You know, and I just think it's sort of, I don't know, I just, it's like with everything. I just sort of look at everything with this real fucking cynicism now. Because like, I used to be so excited about, like, how the world was changing and technology and we can do this and that. And I just think, like, now it's just making, I don't know, it's sort of, I just don't sound like an old bastard. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I don't know, I think it's sort of just, like, like, like the dating app thing. Hmm. even though I'm like, you know, I've been with my um, missus for like, I don't know, 12 years or some shit.
0: Quite a while, right? Yeah.
1: Um, How did you meet?
0: Did you meet at college or something? I was like 19. Yeah,
1: yeah, at uni. Um, Yeah, I was in my, I was in first year at at uni when I first met her. It's weird. But, um, it's the same as like, like, I kind of, in a way, miss how tv would just tell you what you had to watch mm. you know like but not because not because i don't want the option it's because like oh f- fucking thursday at nine o'clock everyone's watching this and we're, we're sharing this experience together and and
0: yeah yeah there's a that's the noise there's a sort of well, innocence that's that's gone isn't there and and a, and a joy of finding things and it's not restricted to just dating it's it's Something that's rolled out across multiple industries, and the 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 example that like first leaps to my mind is like if you go back to the seventies or the sixties uh and you look at who the massive artists were that like like the Beatles right and the stones and Bowie and and these guys were good songwriters, like nobody's going to take it away from the Beatles or the stones that they weren't good songwriters but they were good songwriters in a time where you listened to radio one or a pirate radio station before radio one. And there were only like, you know, five or six bands or like, you know, there was only a few songs that were going around and you would listen to that one radio station. So Hmm. whoever was on the playlist, you'd be like, Oh, I fucking love this song. And so these bands that like you had one funnel, one tube, if you like, that sort of came down and gave you your music, uh, supply for the week or every two weeks however often they they change the playlist and so i feel like there's like they got massive at a time where music was this sort of incredibly restricted drip feed supply and now it's just fucking everywhere and it's like you know if if you're if you love your music maybe you watch mtv bass maybe you listen to fucking (laughs) capital extra maybe maybe you like go on to spotify and you curate your own playlist and like there's no sort of single source of truth where music comes into people yeah so there's no opportunity for one band or one singer to become like an elvis presley or a michael jackson uh that like those days are fucking done and in the same way it's like with tv and films it's like back in the day there would be one big blockbuster that would come out a month and everyone would be like, "Oh, have you fucking seen mm. Back to the Future yet? Oh, you're missing out. Oh, you've got to catch it before it goes off the video." Now it's just like, "Yeah, have you seen that thing on Netflix? Nah. Now nah, I'm watching something on Amazon. Oh, right. What are you watching? Oh, one of the other thousand things that came out. There's there's no yeah. like special drip feedy feeling anymore. And I've, it, maybe it's the same with dating. Yeah. It's like, in fact, I, I I gather from what I've read that it is the same with dating. It's like, um, you know this this idea of meeting that one person in a bar, who's a friend of a friend that you hit it off with and it's magic. is Mm. sort of out the window because if you meet someone like that, you might have a good conversation with them. But then when you get back home, do you just pull out your phone and pull up like Tinder? Oh, cool. Yeah. He's messaged me or she's messaged me. And then you go out on three more dates that week. And do you know what I mean? Like it's
1: uh, it's like,
0: I'm not jealous of people being single now. I think it's,
1: Oh god, it seems it seems yeah. brutal. Like if you fantasize about being single, you want to fantasize about being single. Uh, you know, well, I was going to say in you know, in like you know, whenever your teens was, but I guess the best time would be like you know the seventies, right?
0: Yeah, after after women's lib, and yeah, after the pill, but before AIDS. <laughs> I mean, that no, really is. That's like the narrow window you want to get in there. Yeah, 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who did all their
1: fucking in the 70s. Oh, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, because the thing is, yeah, it's like my, my girlfriend, um, we met because she saw me walking around the library. Yeah. And uh, reading, I looked like a fucking weird books guy. Reading philosophy. Yeah. I, fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Back then, I hated philosophy. I was asked for bankers oh it's just a fucking bunch of motivational yeah. quotes um, but no because I, I was i did a fucking music degree the music and creative yeah. writing and um so i was just walking around with a guitar with a really long leather jacket and a fucking top yeah. hat probably <laughs> <used> to tease <laughs> but but then yeah you you meet someone and you start start learning fucking little bits about you like, oh you like that same band and this yeah. blah, blah, blah. and i guess you you know you know you match up on Tinder, yeah, you're going to still get some of that, but it's still, it's still been funneled through this, like, algorithmic, you know, and to the extent, like, everything's an algorithm. I mean, like, shit, like, if I hadn't got certain grades and gone to uni and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't have met my girlfriend. That's still an algorithm, mm. but, like, it wasn't swiping on a phone.
0: Yeah, but... and it's it's also you, – you have the romance of circumstance there where you can say, you know, I went to this uni because I was – Interested in music or creative writing, and you know, then I went, I decided to go to the library that day. It was all very like you know, sliding doors, very uh, there yeah, was just yeah. an opportunity to go and read this book in the library that day. And I just happened to meet your mother that day. Like, there's a there's a romance to that that you can't yeah. replicate by swiping this and swiping that. Yeah. It's like I met Lucy through uh, internet dating, and uh, she'll. Probably, probably <gasps> Oh! Hate you saying that because she fucking hates me saying that. Uh, but chances are she's never gonna listen to this, so um, but yeah, we we met through internet dating, and like I remember saying before and after I had met her, like I wish that we had met through like friends of friends because it just feels like such it's like an organic way of meeting people and getting to know hmm. people. And there's that excitement of like, are you going to bring your mate Lucy out again? Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, you know, cause you hit it off with them last time and like seeing yeah. if you can recreate the spark, like, whereas I mean, with, with apps and internet dating, it's, it's a bit like, like it works. It obviously works because so many people do it, but you do lose something with it. I, I don't, I, I think that's undeniable. It's not, there's no romantic story there. No one's going to write a fucking rom-com about Tinder. Can you imagine Tinder the movie?
1: Oh, well, there must be. But, yeah. Oh. Do you know, actually, do you know what? I think when I was doing my screenwriting, one of the guest lecturers was actually writing a fucking screenplay about about Tinder.
0: I hope they got a third. <laughs> oh. Do you remember the name? Oh, No. I'll have to look it up. and find shame. out if it actually went we could anywhere. Have, we could have Googled them but, right now and sent their LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Working in Pret. Oh, that would be yeah. impressive. Listen, man, this has been uh, lots of fun. I've got to cut it here, though, because we've been talking for, for quite a while. But thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been really,
1: no really interesting.
0: Me. And uh, are you doing your uh, Acting in Bad Faith show this year or are you going to bring it back next year or what?
1: Well, ideally, I'd never do Edinburgh again because it's brutal and expensive. Too middle, too middle class, um, so if I can get yeah, yeah. It's too, too bougie. Uh, so you know, I fucking I bought a burger yeah. in, uh, in 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 uh, in Pleasant, yeah. and the uh, the guy selling me it described the prices as repugnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a hard sell. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so I'm hopefully I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going to keep working on it. Do it in Camden, maybe, oh. uh, if that if that becomes a substitute for Edinburgh after COVID's ruined yeah, fringe. Yeah. Which which, by all accounts, it has.
0: Sorry. Okay. Well, I'm devastated to hear that uh, the Edinburgh Fringe is not going ahead, even though I had fucking no plans <laughs> to go. Um, but yeah, I will. Um, I, I suppose I should sort of direct people to your Instagram, I guess, because you're not on Twitter, right? Or not, <laughs> not at the moment. No,
1: sand. Um, no banned
0: because I called a guy yeah, a bitch. Uh because he called a bitch <laughs> a bitch. Um No, i got well, Yeah, yeah. he was he was he Right, was a bitch. let's not get into this, alright? Uh, 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 so <laughs> if anyone wants to sort of catch up with you or follow you and uh check out this show when it when it does uh come to fruition, um then I guess stuff buster video on Instagram. Yeah,
1: it's got a link to my YouTube as well. So go on
0: that.
1: Oh, crack yes. On yeah. that and
0: um, check out the John Lewis ad parody with the gingerbread man on YouTube. I'm sure if you Google that lot, you'll you'll happen across it. Um, but for now, thank you so much for joining me uh, this evening. Stop, Demetrio. Cheers. Yes. Bye. See you later.